Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and He said, My peace I give you. But in Matthew 10.34, He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So is there peace in Jesus or not? Thank you for listening to episode 86 in the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast. And this is actually episode 10 in our series on how to be strong in the Lord. This will be our final episode in this series, so I'm glad you've joined us. And yeah, we're going to discuss that quandary. (laughs) Quandary. I had to look that word up. But first I had to fumble through how to spell it. (laughs) That's one thing about doing a podcast. You don't have to worry about spelling. (laughs) But I looked up quandary. It means a state of perplexity or doubt. So if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, why does he say he comes not to bring peace, but to cause division? In Matthew 10, 34, he says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. In the parallel passage in Luke 12, 49 through 53, he says this, I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. Wow. He wants to set the whole thing on fire. Why is he so upset? He continues, I have a baptism to be baptized with, which is his way of saying I've got a very important public declaration coming up. Something important. And, of course, he's talking about what he's going to do on the cross a little while later. In fact, he says next, And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. So he wants to set fire to the earth and he's distressed. Why is he so ticked? (laughs) He continues. He says, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Why is he talking about? Why is he saying this? In the Matthew 10, 34 verse, he says that this division is caused by a sword. And in the Luke 12 passage, he says it's caused by the baptism that he's being baptized with. In other words, the cross, the sword. As we learned last time, the sword is reference to the Word of God. And in John 1, the Word of God is Jesus. And the sword being the Word of God, isn't that what our Ephesians 6 passage says? (laughs) The last piece of armor? In verse 17, it says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So Jesus, what he did on the cross, and the Word of God, the Bible, is what causes the divisions among people. So Jesus is saying his sword is what cuts and divides people and may even cause families to get mad at each other and become angry and hateful at each other. You know, like 
one person says, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And another person in the family says, no, there's, there's way more other ways to get to God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is saying. And it causes him distress. It makes him frustrated that everybody isn't going to believe what he did on the cross and believe him, believe God's word. Because what he did on the cross is a huge sacrifice. You know, submitting himself to all of that torture and the worst way ever to die. And people don't believe that or why he did that for them. And that he came back to life proving he is God. No one else has come back to life and claimed to be God. Only Jesus has. So that's one of the reasons why he is the only way. The truth. And of course, the life. Oh, and staple to that, John 10.10, where Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly and to the full. And that includes life here on earth and life eternally. Isn't that cool how all that is together and tied to Jesus? But it is distressing for Jesus when people don't believe that and don't choose him. And distressing for us too, isn't it? Especially when they're close members in our family. But Jesus said that would happen. So we shouldn't be terribly surprised or angry or angry at God. <laughs> it's not him that's making the decisions. The people are themselves. He's given them enough evidence. And he's also given them you to be a good witness. To treat them with love and care and compassion when you really want to just smack them upside the head. <laughs> Love covers over a multitude of sins and will win them back to the correct side of the sword, the sword that Jesus is on. And of course, we can use the seventh piece of armor that we haven't gotten to yet, but we can use that, which is prayer. Prayer is extremely powerful. We should love our family members even when it's hard, and we should pray for them. And remember, those things are distressing to Jesus, too. He went to the cross for them. Maybe you can help them see the love that Jesus has for them by doing that, by going to the cross. So if he can sacrifice that much to show love, you can make some sacrifices and show love, too, by being compassionate and caring and loving and kind. John 16.33 is really helpful for us, and it helps make us strong. This is Jesus talking, where he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, or trials, or troubles. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So if we are to have peace and to even be of good cheer, which is a pretty good witness in itself in our world of angry people, <laughs> we need to learn which side of that sword to be on. Okay, Be on Jesus' side. Be in him. And keep focusing on him when other members of our family reject him and become hateful toward us. 
So are you going to go with them? Or are you going to stick with Jesus? Good question, isn't it? A very hard question. But which one turns out better in the end? Maybe that'll help us with our decision. Deuteronomy 33.29 says, How blessed you are! Who else is like you? People saved by the Lord. Which is you, dear Christian, right? If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're saved by the Lord. And the Lord Jesus, continuing in this passage, He is your protecting shield. Remember that from a couple podcasts back? One of our pieces of armor is Jesus the shield. And it continues to say, And he is your triumphant sword of majesty. Jesus is your triumphant sword of majesty. Triumphant means the winner. The celebrated winner. The winner over the bad things in this world. And we get to ride with him. In this triumphant majesty, which you can read about in Revelation chapter 19. Read verses 13 and 14 or so for you. It says, And he, meaning Jesus, was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember that from John 1 1. Verse 14 says, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's referring to us, us true Christians. Followed Jesus on white horses. Can you ride a horse? If you're a true Christian, you will be able to ride a horse. (laughs) We'll be riding along behind him, cheering him on. It says in verse 16, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, in triumphant victory. But until then, Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That word guard means a military sentry. In the original Greek, that Greek word is phorio, phorio, and that's what it means, is a military guard or military sentinel. I like to say for real, yes, for real, Jesus is your guard, a guard that is on duty just outside the camp to make sure that you are safe and can get a good night's sleep. Jesus is that military sentry that guard, so that you can have peace. And aren't you stronger when you get a good night's sleep and are at peace? (laughs) Yes, yes, believe me, you are. (laughs) Okay, we have actually got through all six of the pieces of armor of God. Uh, There is more to the armor, which is prayer. And I think we're going to cover that in a podcast series, maybe in a month or two or so. So we'll, we'll save that for then, because prayer does make us strong, too. And prayer is absolutely amazing. So we'll save that for later, because I want to do a few podcasts on our main purpose for this podcast, which is practical application of Scripture to our job, to our job. 
I've been thinking about a few things, and it's like, ooh, I need to do a podcast on that. I really want people to know that. So I'm going to. So we're going to do that next week. But in the meantime, let's just finish this out by doing a summary or a recap or a review. Okay? When we first started the series, remember I talked to my wrestling coach and I talked to a military drill instructor and asked them how to prepare to be strong, how to prepare for battle. And what they both told me are very similar and also very similar to what God's Word says. So successful strength comes from following these points. Number one, be in shape and have solid footing. Remember we talked about that. Our foundation is God's Word. We should be solid in knowing God's Word. And just like in construction, a good and straight and true and solid concrete foundation makes the rest of the building construction go really well. So our solid foundation should be in God's Word, the truth. Number two, read the manual and do what it says. Read God's Word do what it says. Number three, obey and follow your commander, Jesus. Number four, know about the adversary. We talked a little bit about that, how the enemy works and how his methods are and, and what those methods are. So we can recognize those methods, and it makes us strong by knowing what's coming next and knowing what the attacks are and who they're coming from. So we can thwart them. Next is to know your tools and why you have them. And our tools are six pieces of the armor of God. And we also need to rely on our tools. Number six, you can rely on all of these pieces of armor. And number seven, trust your help, those around you. You can trust your fellow Christians and be involved in a, in a Bible study or a small group or have some good Christian friends that you can get together and chat about spiritual things and how to build each other up. Remember, there are 80 one another statements in the Bible, things that we're supposed to do to each other. Love one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, lift one another up, etc. So let's take a look at those tools in a recap individually. The first one is the belt of absolute truth. Yeah, you know the truth. It's freeing and assures victory. And all of the other tools connect to it. Next is our feet are protected by the gospel. Solid footing like cleats, which is good news. Next is the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means right standing before God. Jesus made you righteous by what he did on the cross, if you accept that. And you can never be killed by the enemy because you were wearing the breastplate of righteousness. And next is the shield of faith. Jesus himself is the door, which is the other word for shield, stopping the destroyer from getting to your heart. Just like the blood of the lamb placed on the perimeter of the door in the places commensurate with where Jesus bled when he died on the cross, For the Israelites, when they were in captivity in Egypt, 
and it said God himself became the door, preventing the destroyer from entering the house. And the next piece of armor is the helmet of salvation, which stops the attack of the enemy to your head, and the assurance of your eternity with Jesus, who wins in the end. That's the helmet of salvation. And lastly, last episode in this one, we talked about the sword of the Spirit, the final piece of armor that's actually a piece of armor. (laughs) And this is the only offensive weapon, and it can be used both offensively and defensively. God's Word is the sword of the Spirit, and it rebuts and kills the attacks of the enemy. It also is dividing. It divides those people who love and accept Jesus from those people who hate and do not believe Jesus. Because heaven's going to be a lot better when it's filled with people who love and accept Jesus, right? It's a harsh and sad reality, but remember, Jesus will wipe away all tears and will explain all things. And may explain that we have a choice. We can choose Jesus or not. And how important that is. And all of these pieces of armor are actually choices that we can make to put them on. And we have to do it daily. We have to daily put on all of these six pieces of armor. So that we can be prepared for any of the attacks that the enemy will throw at us. Any trials or hardships which come. We're able to at least get through those and hopefully thrive during those times too. The entire armor of God, we are supposed to put on all of the pieces and they all make us strong, make us strong. Let me just finish by reading that whole passage so we can get the gist of it all. Instead of just the sum of the parts, let's get the whole thing here. Ready? Ephesians six, ten through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Want to know more about these pieces of armor and how to practically apply them to your life? Go to my website, bluejeanschristian.com, and you will see some videos of where I preached this as a sermon series at Mountain View Bible Church in Leverkin, Utah. And there's some cool graphics and things. So go there and and, and watch those on YouTube. And remember next week, we're going to get back to practical application of Scripture to your job. Okay? See you later.